0: my pick of the week is this uh,
1: app idea I just wrote down in paper by
0: 53 <laughs> <laughs> the more than just code podcast may contain material that is offensive to some people listener discretion is advised
2: Hey everybody, welcome to episode fifty-seven of the More Than Just Code Podcast. My name is Dimitra. I'm in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm welcoming back Aaron Vay from the hinterlands of Canada. Hey, how's it going? And once again we have Jaime Lopez in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? And that's it. No mark. No mark. No mark. No mark. We wanna we wanna get Aaron's uh scoop on. The announcements right um, I, I just as I, I've been thinking a lot about it I, I actually did look at the ordering a phone but uh, I didn't go I didn't pull a trigger on it I called Rogers got you know lamb by them for the price of the phone which we can talk about and then but I'm th- I've mean, been looking at and, and thinking about the size of the iPad pro and I think I actually might buy one huh yeah Wow because of the because of the whole art aspect, right?
0: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The pencil must fascinate palette. you. Uh,
2: you know, I don't know. I I I really do like the pencil by fifty three. So I'm not sure if I'm I'm you know totally sold on Apple's take on it. Or maybe I'll go to the App Store and try it. But uh, and I, you know, to be honest with you, I probably will buy one eventually. But it's got to, it's got to compete with the pencil by fifty three, which is a really cool cool interface. So it's a, it's a feel, it's a tactile thing. It's the way it feels, right? Well, right. clearly,
0: I mean, but uh, you know, I got a feeling that. You're going to be a convert, man. Well, if it's,
2: if it's shiny, it's got an apple on it. I'm pretty much going to get one, right? So, mm. yeah. Let's talk about
0: the event last week. Can we? Sure. You so, know. Yeah. So, okay. Giver. Giver. The only thing I really want to talk about, because you guys covered it really well last week, I was, was kind of looking for the answer to one question um, mm-hmm. that, that I was hoping you guys would address, but you didn't. You just didn't. iPad Pro. So, very interesting. And you know, the thing that we went into that show, I, you know, if you listen to the show from the week before... The question that I had for the iPad, knowing that the Pro was coming, is how would it uh, address the decline in iPad sales? Yeah, the, uh, yeah, the lack of interest true. in the iPad, which is clearly on a decline over the years. Um, that was
2: the elephant in the room, for sure.
0: Yes. And, um, and I said uh, two weeks ago in that show, you know, Apple has to have a story to the iPad. It cannot simply be a larger screen. That's, that's not it, right? So a bigger mm-hmm. iPad, in and of itself, will do nothing. To move the needle on iPad sales when I was watching the event I was this is the one thing I'm looking for you know how is the iPad Pro going to address this decline and you know I think Apple's response is we are going to move the iPad closer to the laptop in terms of Mm -hmm. capability and form factor the keyboard case which looks really kind of weird (laughs) lame lame lame. yeah um, okay so the keyboard case um, let's uh let's leave its lambasting for a moment here and the apple pencil are providing two officially sanctioned input methods into this device and mm-hmm. it is notably only the ipad pro you guys weren't sure of this last week yeah. i'm shouting at you guys while i'm listening to you only the ipad pro has the the hardware guts to deal right. with the apple pencil two new input methods to this device and it's a much bigger device it's I guess, you know, like if you if you took like an 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper and put it in your hand, would that be sort of analogous to the size of this thing? I had, I had heard that it's take the existing iPad
2: uh, Flipping on side height, and that's the width of the, of the new iPad. Yes. M- plus or minus or a little bit of an inch or so. Huge. It huge. is considerably. It's probably like the size of a 13-inch screen, I would think. Uh,
0: see, I think, I think if, when I go to see it in the store, once it comes out, um, I'm going to have the same reaction to that iPad as I do when I see the iPhone 6s. In public, mm. like it's a yeah. novelty check, mm. <laughs> you know. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Whoa! Come on, <laughs> look at this thing. Who's going to carry that around? Tim Mitchell, of course. But uh, <laughs> in my backpack, yeah. in your backpack, the size and the two new input methods. Does this equal um, a reevaluation, a reconsideration, or a reconceptualization, if you will, of the mm. iPad? I think it won't be enough, and I'll tell you why. the The big elephant in the room, to borrow your phrase, Tim, again, is yeah the fact that it's still not going to be worthwhile to create apps for the iPad. So the problem is uh, you cannot build an app just for the iPad pro. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's just another iPad. So it's going to go in the iOS app store. And that little sludge fest uh, is only uh, for low margin product and, uh, or no margin product as the case may be. So making money and convincing people to pay for it uh, for a professional app is almost virtually a no go. Um, in that vein, Sketch is not coming to iPad. This couldn't be better timed for my concerns about the iPad Pro. Uh, because, hey, yeah, of course, Sketch on the iPad Pro would be amazing, right? Yep. Am yep. I right or am I right? I'm right. Yep. I'm totally right. You know? Yep. It would be phenomenal. Like, there, there, is no, there is no better expression of what Sketch does than, than how it would be conceptualized for the iPad with a fully touch interface, you know, and this, Mm -hmm. you know, of course, think getting excited about that is exactly what got me excited about apps for the iPad back in 2010. What made me such a huge fan of the platform is because it leads to better apps, more interesting apps, more in depth apps. But of course that never came to pass. None of that happened because of the app store. Right. And the fact that people can't make money making software. So did the iPad pro change that? No, it didn't. Um, I wish it did, but it's not going to, so. Uh, aside from the keyboard and the pencil and the larger size, um, it's not going to change the fundamental problems with the iPad, and that mm-hmm. is my take. Well, so there. I,
2: it, it's interesting that you that you you raise that question because because that was the sort of nagging doubt in my mind was the whole time that there. Coming on stage with the, I went back and watched the, the keynote again, but I went back and watched it as a consumer, as a developer, as someone who would want to watch the show and watch the keynote and really pay attention to it. And all I saw was a grinning Tim Cook getting up there going, look at what this cool stuff we have for you. And it reminded me of what happened to tech in the in the late 90s when large companies came over and bought up all the small good tech companies and just went to town on them and had the great big you know buffets with the giant shrimp on them, but they had no substance <laughs> to back it up. Right. A lot of software, software died a horrible death in the late 90s, right? Mm. Or early 2000s, I guess it was. And that's kind of, it was that Cheshire Cat grin on his face. So you go back and watch the introduction where he says, we got so much good stuff for you. And he's like rubbing his hands together. And, you know, he's getting up on stage. I mean, I love him, you know, as much as anybody else. But I just got that weird sort of sort of feeling from it. And I can't remember if it was Greg or Jaime who pointed out that when Phil Schiller was up there talking about one particular aspect about the iPad, he he almost... Side when he was talking about it, right? Do you remember what that was, Jaime? That was the thickness, I think. The thickness, yeah. He was, oh, and it was only only that. It was only like, you know, a millimeter thinner, you know, kind of thing, like kind of. But I I just remember there was that sort of tone. And and mind you, that's Phil's kind of delivery. You know, like the best deliverer out there is is definitely Craig, right? He gets up there and he just makes everything sound so cool, right? You know, it begs the question, and we've been saying this for a couple of weeks now, why are they making a a, a 12-inch iPad? Because... The rumor mill says they should or because somebody found out they were making one. I worry that the iPad Pro could become the new Mac Cube. Mm. You know, mm-hmm.
0: something that looks great, mm, the yeah. G4 Cube. Part. Looks great, overpriced, yeah. underbought.
2: I have one in my garage by the way if you ever want to see one, but you know, you know, I love the Cube. I think the Cube from an aesthetic point of view is a great-looking device. It's amazing technology what they were able to cram into that thing. The acrylic is really cool and sexy and all that kind of stuff. Nobody bought it. Um, so it, so is this going to be another road Apple, right? Oh, oh, oh I see what you did. And there's plenty of them. That's <laughs> the part been.
0: people forget about Apple, but not lately. Uh, that's uh, that's that's old Apple um, yeah. when it was ruled much more emotionally by Steve Jobs. The story well, of the G4 was- Cube is about Steve Jobs having this perfect vision in his mind yeah. and uh, and going forward with it, regardless of the bad news he was hearing along the way.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so so, and you know, it, it, I mean, is the Apple Watch going to be another another road Apple? As no, well, right?
0: no, I don't think so. You know, the iPad Pro is 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 compelling for that kind of argument uh, because, uh, like we said, you know, with the iPad sales declining as a whole, my contention that this alone will not turn it around. And and let's face it, I mean, I've been reading a lot over the past week. You know, being on vacation and actually having. Pretty decent internet, for what it's worth. Uh, I've been reading a lot of columns and responses to people, and you sort of pick up on general memes that are flowing, floating around, right? And one thing that I've seen a lot of is the notion that the app store uh, economics is broken, that pricing is broken, and that um, the developer environment is broken. Mm-hmm. That, mm-hmm. Um, you know, although we have been saying that for as long as we've been doing this podcast that that opinion is now extant. It is live and it is, I think pretty well understood. Mm -hmm. The reasons for that are also pretty well understood uh, because the history of Apple uh, suggests that uh, the company giving too much power to its software developers (laughs) uh, tends to get its ass handed to it and down the road, right? Right. As it suffered at the hands of Microsoft and and, and Adobe, ironically, the two big vendors that were on stage at last week's event. (laughs) Um, but they don't want to put themselves in that position again of, of putting developers in a position of power. They, they see what's going on. They're not stupid, right? <laughs> you yes, know, Apple yes. is obviously aware of, of the, the harm that they've done to their own platform, but it's a price they're willing to pay. It's clearly a price they're willing to pay. Well,
2: as I've maintained many times before they're more interested in selling phones than they are selling apps to be realistic right totally. they, they do
0: make a considerable amount of income from the big apps, right? no question, but you know yeah. they they are not interested in that income. I don't think you know no. in in any real sense anyway, they certainly aren't looking uh for um high cost apps to be a feature of the app store yeah uh something that that is expected and normal they They probably are incredibly delighted that um, that developers have so little power in this relationship. And uh, that's sad, but uh, that's that's Apple's um, strategy. Um, and I think, uh, you know, the history shows why that is. Will it ever change? <laughs> hmm. I don't know. Maybe down the road it could, but uh, right now I think they are quite pleased with the way things are. Huh. But, you know, the the casualty clearly is the iPad. Right. And and you know what? I think that the Apple TV is going to be a casualty, too. And we didn't talk about that. Did you guys talk much about the Apple TV last weekend? We Cla- I, glanced I, I, off of it a bit. Well, yeah. I don't, yeah. like, I, I think that the Apple TV is going to be a very similar story to the iPad uh, in that sense. Uh, and and mm-hmm. from a developer standpoint, for the most part, you know. Um, mm-hmm. People will build apps for it, but they aren't going to make, be able to make any money from it, right? Yeah. Um, You know, because I think Correct me if I'm wrong here, but did Apple say that you would not be able to charge separately for an Apple TV app? Like it has to be a universal app with your iOS app?
2: Uh, don't recall that. I, by the way, I, I did enter the lottery. I don't know if you
0: guys did for the Apple oh, TV. God, and I got goodness. one. So. Oh, you did, eh? Yeah. How I did. lovely for you! How lovely you for one? like? No, of course not. Oh my God, I bitched so bitterly on Twitter. I can't believe you don't know. <laughs> no, I've been I've been I've been busy teaching for the last couple of days, so my Twitter's been turned off. So. Awful, just awful. No, no, of course I didn't get one because it was a lottery that I entered. I I have a feeling that a lot of people got them, though, because I've seen a lot of people. Yeah, like, just anecdotally, it seems like um, a a large percent of the people that went into the lottery got one. So, uh, not me, which is funny because, you know, I've got an app on the store. It it looks like it should be one that was suitable for the Apple TV. Yeah, yeah. Uh, But no. (laughs) So...
1: So, I uh, I did not enter the lottery for the uh, Apple TV. Um, really? Yeah, largely because I didn't have anything that was top of mind for what I wanted to do with it. <laughs>
0: ooh, ooh, ooh. Took a yeah. degree of responsibility that probably 90% of the others did not. <laughs> yeah, like, hey, yeah. free Apple TV. <laughs> I mean, essentially, right?
1: Because apparently it really was just a dollar. It wasn't yep, a yeah. dollar to get in and then, you know, 150 US to, to finish it off, but... Yeah, I mean, really, somebody else out there should should have one if they're going to do something, if, at least if they have the chance of doing something reasonable with it.
0: Uh, I, but it seems clear. I mean, the vast majority of developers that get one are just going to plug it in their TV and and run with it. You know, they're not going to build an app. Right. I, I, I really wish Apple had charged, like, real money and said, hey, look, uh, we're going to give this to you. We got some pre-production units. They're they're like $150, first come, first served. And, mm-hmm. uh, and the people that actually wanted to build apps for it could have done so.
2: Yeah 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 I think I think if they had made the entry level a little I mean it's kind of it's kind of a, a silly thing charging a dollar for it you know I mean and to be honest with you that's the only reason I sort of signed up for it I really don't have any idea what to do with
0: it other than make pong or something like that right so <laughs> that'd actually be pretty cool do you yeah. do you remember an old mac game called Mortal Pong bat no. it was pretty um obscure but uh i used to love that game <laughs> yeah. and it's like it's like pong right except you know there's all kinds of stuff all over the screen that can give you power-ups for your ball
1: and oh, it does cool. different
0: things and and your paddle can from time to time uh shoot giant laser blasts at the other yeah. paddle and and eat it away yeah. so that <laughs> it has like nothing left and can't respond to the ball uh such a fun game uh for yeah. for i'm talking um system seven here days mm-hmm. this is, you know mm-hmm. long time yeah. Ago. yeah yeah sure um but uh, I really wish the developer of that game would come back and make an Apple TV version. That'd be so much fun. Maybe I'll bring uh, Beyond Dark Castle back to
2: the, uh, the Apple TV.
0: Oh, interesting.
2: <laughs> and get sued.
0: Yes, that's the thing. Speaking,
2: speaking of getting sued, so I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but um, I was a little annoyed. Like, yeah, I've been talking about Device Tracker for months, right? Like, for years, whatever. And it's been on the, sh- on the store, and I know this now, since November 16th, 2010, right? Yeah. I got a, a letter from Apple Legal from a developer who published an app called device tracker for iOS and iPad. Okay. Which also, and, and saying that I was infringing on his trademark and his name. L-O-L. I know. And then, but, but the funny thing about that is there is another app from England called uh, or somewhere like that called device tracker for iOS and iPad. And I've never really cared. I mean, like who cares? I mean, there's an, I figure that, you know, naively that there's enough to go around for everybody who cares, right? Like, you know i've had a few people download my app by mistake thinking it was the other one and you know they get the refund from apple and everybody's happy right hmm. and i've you know i've made you know a couple of grand or whatever it is in the lifetime of this app right so yeah, i don't right. really i don't really care right i mean sure. it's not it's not it's not a going concern for me but i'll be damned if i'm going to give up the name of my app now right so right. i i've put up a, a couple of friends on twitter replied to me and said oh just go back to apple legal and and you know, file a complaint. So I just went back to Apple Legal and filed a, filed a complaint in return and just took, literally took the guy's text and put it back in there and sent it back to Apple saying he's <laughs> infringing on my name.
0: <laughs> so what's the status?
2: Uh, well, I'm, I'm waiting to You're see. you I got an now. email. Well, no, I got an email back from, from Apple Legal saying, by the way, the guy's email address isn't a legitimate email. Shocker. So that's, that's the part that's the ironic. So like he's trying to sue me or whatever. Like, yeah, sure, buddy. Good luck with that, and and I to be honest, and my app has been in Chinese for at least since 2011. Anyway, whenever I localized it back in the day, right? So wow,
0: good for you, people.
2: Yeah, that's that's comical, right? Oh, oh, but I do want to talk about something that I saw a tweet go by today from Jaime about, and he was got a response from a few people about 4.99 being a premium app.
0: Oh yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah
1: that one did pretty well. It's at uh, <laughs> so looking at Twitter analytics, it's 1,400 something. Uh, views. That's, that's actually no one kidding. of my more successful tweets. I'm, I'm very no proud kidding. of. Well, I wasn't.
2: I wasn't concerned about the, the success of your tweet. I was concerned about the point you were trying to make. So for those <laughs>
1: of the for those of you driving around uh, at the moment, um, <laughs> hey Siri. I will. Yeah, oh, that's so. Okay. That doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work anymore. Sorry. <laughs> so so here's oh, the tweet man. verbatim. Uh, Do everyone a favor and slap a person who says four dollars ninety nine cents for an app is a premium yeah. price. And that really. Um, struck a chord with people i think i think a lot of folks primarily developers were like yeah that's way to go ridiculous yeah yeah thank you i like the response
0: like, you got jaime that was uh, the guy saying that uh, he had that told to him too by someone in apple marketing
1: yeah yeah oh yeah. that uh, part
0: I'm... made me made my stomach turn
1: and there was another guy who uh said i love it when someone sends me an email asking why my
0: 99 cent app isn't free oh wow really yeah well, this is what I'm telling you, man. Like, you can't make money on the App Store. There's no point even trying, which is why there are no serious apps and why the iPad Pro is doomed. Doomed! Like Apple! <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly very very difficult, right? Because you've you've got all those
1: companies who don't make money from the app itself, and we, we talked about that, right? Like an Uber or a Lyft, or yeah. their service is the point of the app. It's not like they're trying to sell it in any way. Um, yeah. And then you've also got venture capitalist-backed companies, though. And just throw bucket loads of cash at the problem and drive out competitors.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's uh, soured the entire market. How, how much do you think Apple's to blame? Like, uh, put it put in that context, Jaime. Um, you know, there are uh, plenty of external forces that drive costs down, uh, but Apple's also a, a factor. Um, but how much of a factor do you think they are?
1: I would think it's probably, if I had to quantify it, I'd say it's no more than fifty percent, because the the one critical thing that they can do and it's just completely arbitrary on on their point part right and it, it's to their benefit and that's, that's why they're doing it but if they were to allow upgrade pricing in some way shape or form just like you can do on the mac not not on the mac app store of course but you know on the mac in general um mm-hmm. then there wouldn't be as much of a problem i think and i think you'd have more opportunity for things like sketch to exist but because they don't nope. allow that it's it makes it very difficult unless you have some other sort of subscription based product or service really and not even a product anymore
0: yeah yeah like I mean that's that's a, a structural issue um, I don't know I, I wonder how much we can blame Apple for the um, the downward trend in pricing the, the pricing pressure like I don't know that Apple had much influence on that part of it.
2: Well, I think that that's a that's a typical market problem, and in, in in that people start to commoditize goods when when they go for sale, and there's a lot of demand a lot of demand for them, and when com- competition naturally leads people to lower the price as far as they can, and, and that's I think that's what the race to the race of the bottom is really about. And that's just sort of a a market trend that happens with in businesses, and you have to decide at some point whether you're going to compete in that com- commodity type market or not. Right, so you know so you don't sell magpie for free with in-app purchases you sell magpie for 4.99 or whatever it is you charge right yeah because as you're you're making a claim that your product is not as cheap as the next guy's video product, um, and that's that's unfortunately what's going to have to happen. There has to be there's going to have to be literally another app store, like you said before, where uh, independent developers are going to have to actually start charging real money for their work. And if people aren't going to pay them, then they'll have to go do something else to to make a living because. The reality is is that I think one of the tweets I read today, Jaime, was from somebody somebody complained got a complaint about their app being four ninety nine so they raised it to nine ninety nine and they get better customers who don 't complain as much and they made more money right well, I, yeah, did they make money yeah yeah, but I mean, but that's just it. I mean you have to sort of if your product is good enough, compelling enough to be you know to be worth charging uh, more money for careful not to use the word the p word. Um, to charge more money for it then then people are going to be willing to pay if it fills a need and makes you know, saves them some utility or save, makes them more productive then of course they're going to pay for it if it's a novelty thing like a, like a game you know a time waster on, on the subway then put iAds in it and just make your money on ads you know but if it's a production piece or something that saves people time and money and makes their life easier or their business practice easier then people should pay for that right and developers should not feel bad about charging for it
1: right and I think a, a, a good case in point from today, and uh, this will come up again, I'm sure for, for Aaron's pick of the week, so it's kind of a preview there, but <laughs> uh, the content blocker for iOS 9 called uh, Crystal um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. is free today, and there's zero good reason for that to happen, assuming this developer wants to make money from the app or from the right. content blocker, right? Like today right. is the day in which he would make the most money, like clearly. Like, in fact, this is about, just about the only day in which... It will make money because there's only a handful of content blockers. And there's a big one that just hit the market that will just overwhelm the entire podcast uh, blogosphere space for some time. Mm -hmm. Um, So unless this person who made Crystal, unless they have some sort of other plan, like, you know, they were being altruistic and they just wanted this to be out there in the world so that you can move the ad industry forward and out of the dark ages, uh, or this is was like a resume builder of like hey look at these awesome things i can do i got all this buzz hire me please and give me a job Mm -hmm. Uh, but if they plan to make money i mean they probably failed pretty miserably at doing so because they decided to go like let's get it out in everybody's hands and let's make it free it's like well that's that's why i I attributed at least half of the, the problem or part of the responsibility to developers themselves who have sort of shot ourselves in the foot collectively
0: Right, by saying, right. "Oh, I got to
1: make it free," It's like, "Well, then don't complain when nobody wants to pay your, you know, no longer on sale price because you got them accustomed to the idea of a lower price, and it's much easier mm-hmm. to go down than it is to go back up." Hi, May. What motivated you to write that tweet? I think I'd seen enough. Uh, I don't, nothing in <laughs> particular. Like nothing was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like just really stuck out of my mind. But just sort of like, "Man, this is this is dumb. Why are people?" complaining about this problem like four ninety nine for an app is not a lot of money I mean mm-hmm. it's just not I mean sure if mm-hmm. you wanted to have you know 300 apps on your iPhone that's a fair chunk of change but do you really need all those apps on your iPhone mm-hmm. right do you only have those because it is free and and so painless so you're just kind of willy-nilly downloading whatever or are mm-hmm. you actually legitimately using those mm-hmm. I mean I'd hazard a guess that like there probably wouldn't be people with 300 apps on their MacBook Pros like, I seriously doubt oh, it. For sure. Of
0: course not. Of course not. Like, I think a lot of it is just that uh, people don't know what a, a good app is, right? Because there just isn't a sufficiently decent representation of the app's capability when you're looking at it on the store, right? Um, and because there are no trials, <laughs> um, there's no way to know that unless you buy the app. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've all done this, right? Like, you you are looking for a particular type of app. Like, I've, I was looking recently, I, I complained about this already in the last show that I was on, that um, I'm looking for an interval runner. I tried like three or four before giving up, but each one of those was either free or a buck or two, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, I, so I spent money on apps that were garbage within 30 seconds of my opening them. That's why people want to avoid spending money on apps, you know? Because right. if, if you can imagine that scenario playing out hundreds of millions of times a day, uh, people are... Reluctant to spend any kind of money on an app that they're not really sure about, so it's uh that's I think that's a big part of the of the downward pressure of the fifty percent that's apple's fault. I think the lack of trials at the very least uh represents uh, a good part of that
1: certainly isn't helped by uh, and this is a separate tweet that wasn't quite as successful, but I kind of snarked <laughs> about the uh the app store games the new app store games twitter account come on it, it could have been. A nice opportunity and I'm not saying that Apple has any responsibility to do this nor do I say they have any obligation to do this but as you know good citizens of the software development world they just need to stop being douchebags about this <laughs> I mean the App Store mm-hmm. Games was like hey here's this game you've never heard about Minecraft hey yeah here's this other game you've never heard about Game of Wars like no these are multi-million multi-billion dollar companies that, that deal with this right like they don't need any help yeah how about you exactly you know, do your job and curate some interesting. It you know, doesn't even have to be indie stuff, but just stuff that people haven't heard about that they probably should have downloaded. Not that hey, look, surface. Yeah. Did I just New open stuff. up the uh, the App Store. Oh, look, these are the exact same games they're talking about.
0: Yeah, that, that that part drives me nuts. And I mean, the the at App Store account is the same way. You know, like they they tend to um, highlight the um, the mainstream high end stuff. You know, so like the the big winners keep on winning. And it's uh, it's the same uh, strategy as, like, the top list, which perpetuates their position on those lists.
1: Yeah, and it's it's really strange because, I mean, I understand why Apple would, you know, throw in the, the big boys, right? Like Facebook and, you know, Pinterest and so forth. Like, it makes sense. It's good business sense, and it can help folks. I'd almost think they'd be better off just saying, like, let's curate all the things that are only available on iOS. And we will use this as both a hammer against, you know, our competitors like Android and kind of like a... As a side effect, we'll give a leg up to these developers who have been faithful to the ecosystem. I mean, there you go. I've already done, in in two different styles of handling this account, I've already done a better job than a multi-billion dollar multinational company has done.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, oh. but who sold 10 million phones this weekend, right? Not With you, 10... Jaime. Not you. That's that's true. I'm <laughs> no, not a manufacturing guy. I'm a consultant. No, was, that wasn't a question. That was a statement. Wasn't Apple on target to sell 10 million phones this weekend?
0: More than 10 million. That yeah, was what they said. last week. So they, they don't care week. about a 4.99 app, really. Let's let's give our heads a shake, right? Indeed, shake them hard because you they know? they truly don't care. Not about that. Yeah. Uh, but about selling phones, oh yes, they care deeply because that is where they make their bucks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes, they make it rain, bitches. Yeah, so no problem. Actually, Magpie is in good shape. I'm going to be releasing it for iOS 9, hopefully pretty soon. Um, mm-hmm, yeah, mm-hmm. I want to clean up some more stuff, but uh, we're definitely yeah. getting there. Uh, and I'm really eager to do it because you know some of the great features in iOS 9 that uh, you can take advantage of. I, I just implemented the Spotlight, uh, core Spotlight search, mm-hmm. for Magpie videos today. So when you could do a search in um, uh, to the left of the first screen in iOS yeah. 9, yeah. Uh, yeah. it can search content inside of apps. Yeah. The app has to support it, but I added that support to Magpie today. Works great. It is so good. I cannot believe how amazing it is. So like you, anything you're searching for, if um, if one of your saved videos in Magpie has uh, one of those terms in the title, uh, it'll come right up. Yeah. Um, and you got a little thumbnail, and you, you tap it, and it takes you right to the video inside Magpie. Freaking cool. Um, cool. Yeah. Uh, and picture-in-picture, uh, picture, obviously, huge thing. Um, multi... Uh, multi... What do they call it? multi-tasking, multi yeah, yeah. support. Uh, so, you know, with the size class support, of course, which was already there, works like a charm, works beautiful. Uh, so it's it seems like it's in really good shape. Yeah, if I could say something about... No, about no, you can't.
2: iOS 9 on device. Fine, I, fine. I installed the Gold, the G, Gold Master um, a couple of days ago for, cause to test a friend of mine's app. Um, and... It, um, and maybe I can make it my pick since the iOS 9 is official. Hey, there we go. Atta um, <laughs> But I don't like the scrubbing from the left hand or the right hand edge of the screen and getting that little mini view that comes up. It, I find that annoying. My hand tends to accidentally go there all the time. And... Yeah, I have done that too. I've, I've um, accidentally triggered that thumb to come out. So this, But this is the multitasking thing, so yes. I guess only the, apps, only the apps that work with this will, will appear here?
0: Correct. Uh, so if you, if you, it's a two-step process. Um, yeah. You've got yeah. an iPad Air 2, right? I do, yes. Yeah, so your iPad Air 2 uh, supports full-on multitasking. Right. So it, that's a two-step process. You, you swipe in from the right side, and mm-hmm. you get the multitasking tray, which shows right. you the available apps that can come into this view. And right. uh, they all have to target iOS 9 and uh, have implemented size classes. If your apps uh, follow that, then it'll appear there. Now, mm-hmm. um, that that just is an overlay at that point. But if you want to go split screen with it, then yeah. you grab that border and drag it to the left towards the middle of the screen. So then, from this edge here, right?
2: Yeah. Okay, I'm trying
0: that, but it's not. Okay. Um, and then the... Keep talking me off the ledge, man. <laughs> so you you grab <laughs> that maps. border Maybe and you, work. you yeah. drag to the left and it becomes... Your, your screen splits in two, basically. Yeah. Um, and then you you are using both apps side by side, side by each. Gra-
2: is it, is it, is it, you're talking about grab the handle thing at the top, or no,
0: in the middle. Like so, like the, where the thumb appeared when you initially uh, swiped in from the right side, and oh, that yeah. thumb appears. Yeah. And then uh, once you choose an app, it is now an overlay on top mm-hmm. of your existing app. Oh, I see there. And go. then okay. on the border, just hold your finger down on that border. And then You're drag right. to the left. Uh, right now on your iPad, it's only going to be uh, Apple's pre-installed apps that are supporting yeah. this. Um, okay, um, so contacts, mail. Oh,
2: here's mail. Mail's got the little handle there. Oh, look at that! I'm half screen. Woo-hoo. Yeah, yeah, I'm so I've jelly. Got, I've got, um, <laughs> <laughs> but I've got now. I've got. I've got half and half. So I've got my. I got notes on one side. and I got mail on the other. And now I'm going to go yep. full screen. Look
0: at that. Yeah, it's pretty just, nice. Just like on TV. <laughs> Um, Just like on Apple TV, I should say. So that only works on the, uh, the iPad Air 2. Uh, the iPad Air and any other iPad uh, only supports that first step, the overlay. So um, you okay, can do right. that. So, like, say if you have Safari open and you open up uh, uh, Notes, <laughs> then it would only float over top of Safari.
2: Look at that. I have two apps on my, on my screen at once, Aaron.
1: Mm-hmm. Your dream right. is alive. Your so, dream is
0: alive. So happy for you. That's going to so, be really good for the iPad Pro. So if you get that, you're, you're probably going to find yourself using this quite a bit. So my question
2: is, does that not work on the iPad mini 4? No. Oh, the mini 4,
0: yes. It because will work the, on the mini 4. The A9 chip, right? Uh, yep, that's right. Right. Okay, cool. Yeah, hmm. so uh, that's one reason to get that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how well it's going to work, though, on, a, on the minis. You know, like It's the same um, pixel density or resolution, right? But, uh, but it'll be significantly smaller.
2: We're talking about iOS 9 getting... Also, well, heim uh, is gonna post here about getting your app ready for iOS 9, and, and I had a couple of posts from a couple of weeks ago about the same subject. So,
1: Yeah, this is um, from Realm, the uh, mobile database company, yeah. and they've collected yeah. uh, some tips, kind of like they did with, uh, I want to say WatchKit before is the last time that we had one of these, um, with like you know, tips for getting ready for iOS 9. Um, it's kind of late if you're starting out. <laughs> to get it ready for nine but uh hey there's always you know <clears throat> later is better than ever right yeah so some good ones of course are um supporting the 3d touch which nobody knew about because uh, it was brand new as of uh, the keynote mm-hmm. only applicable for the 6s and 6s plus but um, i think pretty compelling right it's something for you to support it looks like it's really not that hard it's just a new um set of delegates that you need, to, or protocols, I should say, that you have to implement. And That's probably one of the good ones. Um, UI layout guide and NS layout guides um, that are apparently new to iOS 9. I could have sworn there was something very similarly named um, to help you with laying things out so you don't have mm-hmm. these weird spacer kind of views. You just have something that will contribute to the constraint um, solver, but without creating you know dummy views as if people go you know, with the the tricks, not sure how this works with, um, stack views personally, like the the trade-off between the two, but you know, it's there for you. Mm -hmm. Um, of course, uh, something super important is, you know, if you're rebuilding with the iOS nine SDK is, um, the app transport security. So there's a a little bit covered there for how everything is going to blow up on you, especially all your, your third party analytics. I'm sure unless you were very diligent at keeping them up to date. (laughs) <laughs> just kind of poking through here real quick.
2: Let's see, the videos were online for 360 iDev, and one of the people that I talked about uh, and wrote about in the article was um, Justin Williams, um, who did a talk on Auto Layout, and he talked about these these new uh, Auto Layout uh, things, like you were just talking about the uh,
1: layout constraints and what you call it. It was a UI Layout Guide and NS Layout Guide.
2: Yeah, he talked about those specific classes in um, in that in that video. So if you're if you're interested, go check it out. Oh, good. And and did he talk about them vis a vis Stack Views? Uh, he didn't talk about Stack Views specifically, but he talked about the, the his thing was called Mastering Auto Layout, and it was all it was sort of high level stuff on on some of the new things and some of the existing things and some of the new things that were changing in iOS nine um sam davies did a good talk on stack views um and i'll have to check and see maybe i'll put a link in the show notes if there was something on raywinderlich.com about that because he his talk wasn't recorded because it was it wasn't a talk per se it was a workshop right so they okay. didn't record that one but he like man stack views love it you know having gone through that that workshop it was great yeah, actually, there's there's a, I'm teaching a course on Swift right now, and one of the one of the resources we're using is a piece that's on AppleDeveloper.com, um, and I think it's called. I think a, a friend of the show Farley even tweeted about it because I googled it earlier today. It showed up, um, but it's on developing. Start developing apps today. Yeah, it's called Start Developing iOS Apps, and in bracket or parenthesis is Swift, and that goes through if. If you've never done an app, iOS app before, it's great because it starts you right at the very beginning with a, with practically like the hello world thing with a label and a text field and a and a button. Goes on to build a table view and custom controllers, but it uses stack views in the tutorial, right? So it's uh, one of the first pieces I've seen outside of the previously mentioned website that talks about uh, stack
1: views. So um, of course, you know Swift 2.0 is available now, so folks yeah. are able to. Use that uh, legitimately, so that's that's great, and it's worth yeah. a, a quick mention here as a little segue that um, apparently Lyft has gone full Swift for their their mainline app. We had talked about before that you know n- nobody could think of a a single app that had you know gone whole hog into Swift for their bread and butter app. Yeah, certainly, some like Duolingo came out with companion apps or alternative apps, but I don't think. I can't think of any other one as prominent. There. So going going totally Swift, you mean? Right. So they mm. uh, rewrote their app in Swift. There's mm-hmm. a there's an article in the show notes that we can we can put there that covers that. It doesn't cover a lot of detail. It's essentially talking about um, you know kind of the the why and the why is pretty typical, right? It gives them some yeah. basically type safety and and other things that are kind of nice for for what they're trying to do. Worth pointing out, of course, that Lyft doesn't make any money from its app, right? The app is, is completely free, so... Well, Lyft is a competitor to Uber, right? Isn't that the same right. type of idea? It's a ride-sharing right. ride sharing thing? Right. So they make money from the service, not from the app. It's the way to go, and,
0: man. Yeah.
1: And they're also heavily venture capital funded, so... All they, you need they can, is a sort of service. Thing.
0: The thing, I, I read this story when it came out, uh, obviously, because I'm deeply interested in this topic, but... Uh, did I read it correctly? Uh, they, it, did they imply that uh, it took them a year to do this conversion? And the app that they came out with at the end of that year was identical to the one that it replaced? I believe that was what they said. Um, and if that's the case, then uh, I think it justifies my position. <laughs> um, that maybe if you're venture funded, I guess, you can afford to, um, to stop, basically, to stop innovating. <laughs> I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh that to me does not make any sense at all. Like they basically stopped uh adding features and worked on plumbing basically.
2: Well, I mean, we also pretty much we had to do that when I was between iOS 6 and iOS 7, too. A whole lot of us were sort of hit with a cold water, splash of water in the face and had to rewrite our apps to to make them compatible with iOS 7, right? Because there was all those layout issues and and changing your classes and stuff like that. It was, that took a, took a yes quite a step uh, backwards, right? you know, For like uh,
0: Greg made that argument last week, actually, like yeah. um, as, if, um, as if as if as as if you weren't there. Uh, well yeah, obviously. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I think that's a specious argument because uh, there's no choice about that. you know when yeah. apple when Apple changes the platform, uh, you don't have any choice about mm-hmm. whether you you can adapt to it or not you have to adapt to it or your app doesn't, it 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 might as well not exist right, right, right. like any app today that still adopts ios seven, uh 6 apis uh you know is not a current app and everyone knows it uh, mm-hmm. i st- <laughs> granted i still see them used but um uh that is the case um but for swift you know, like y- there's no rule that says you must adopt swift uh you know nothing. <laughs> uh, that's a choice that you make, and uh, in in Lyft's case, that choice uh, it appears to have uh, really slowed them down. And and let's face it, like they are not the front runner in this uh, ride sharing business or yeah, know, taxi yeah, replacement yeah. business by any stretch. Yeah, uh, they need to be running fast, but instead, uh, their nerds inside the company are are getting caught up in all the new shiny. Don't you think
2: that Swift is inevitable?
0: Yes, of course it is. I'm not saying it's not.
2: No. So, I mean, so at some point in time, you know, we have to start building classes in Swift in our Objective-C apps and bridge them over. and yep. or we have to yep. start writing, you know, it's inevitable. It's resistance is futile. You will be assimilated, you know, so.
0: Exactly true. Uh, you know, there's no sign of when that's going to happen. But, yeah. you know, I think, you know, you can look out five, ten years maybe and say that that transition should begin. Yeah. But it can happen at a much more leisurely rate than what Lyft did. You know, like Apple said this themselves at WWDC when they first launched Swift, like, a, over a year ago, right? Yeah, That, yeah. you know, like, you can bridge these uh, these uh, classes. Uh, you can have Swift and Objective-C in the same project. Yeah. Um, you know, like, starting whenever you feel like it. Yeah. Any new class can be in Swift, and then you can go back and, over time, uh, start converting other classes. You know, you don't yeah. have to. But, um but since then, of course, as as Swift has become more uh, adopted and become, you know, idiomatic, if you will, the mm-hmm. idiomatic Swift that we're starting to see has a different structure than the yes, uh, the Model View Controller paradigms that Objective C mm-hmm. sort of uh, implies that we write as. Right. Um, so we we still, I don't think, have a very uh, perfect vision for what that means.
2: Yeah, design patterns aren't there yet. Yeah.
0: Right, but. Uh, if that, that being the case, uh, it is not just, you know, that's an argument against just slowly transitioning to Mm. a new, like, you know, a class at a time.
2: Yeah. Well, that being said though, I like, like, as I said, I'm teaching a course on this week and, and so I've actually got students in the classroom that we're not, we're only talking about objective C when we have to, right. Um, and usually that's by analogy because trying to get my own head around, around it. But, uh, the way that um, Apple has implemented Objective-C type uh, calls, br- bridging them over directly into Swift, is is amazing. Like you know, you today to this, as far as I know, there is no native web calls for Swift. You still have to use NSURLs, and you have to use NSURL connection and NSURL session. But you make those calls in a Swift style format, you know, to, to create a web view on a, in an app. But it's like so, it's so elegant in, in the way that they've done that, right? So, and it's cool, you know, it's cool when you go back and forth between, you know, uh, an object you create in, in object on the Objective-C side automatically bridges over to uh, the Swift side, right? Uh, mm-hmm. ex- with one exception, I think it has to do with strings coming back or something like that. But anyway, uh, a little foggy on that one. But, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing having, you know, because I kind of dreaded, you know, going down that path. And today we got into a situation with where a, we with a, were doing a, an example app, and, and I had to pull out my Objective-C knowledge and explain to them how things work, you know, because I couldn't find the, I didn't know the words to say how to do it in Swift, right? But it is it is really elegant. Like, I could totally see. I, I'm comfortable now. If I had to build a new view, control, view controller in some of my legacy apps right now, I probably would feel really good about doing it in Swift.
0: And that's definitely a skill set that we all have to acquire at some point. Sure, yeah. But to acquire it wholesale like this, uh, I think, um, you know, everybody's talking about this like it's some kind of success story. And I I just don't feel like <laughs> it necessarily is. Yeah. Um, you know, like, if, if I'm Lyft, if I'm the management of Lyft, you yeah. know, and, yeah. and all the software engineers, <laughs> to use their term, yeah. uh, the coders, uh, all got together and said, yeah, we're just going to switch all the, we're, we're going to rewrite this app. Yeah. Like, yeah. what? You're going to do yeah. what? Yeah, like, was, never mind was, Swift. Leave they, Swift they, out of they it. They
2: should go into sales because they're really good salespeople. Because that, that was a bad idea, if, yes. in my opinion. Starting last June or last September, or last October, when it ever became official, building apps and Swift was probably asking for trouble. Yeah. You know, so that's probably what took them a year, right? Because it, it's not until 1.2 that we actually started to see some stability. And now in 2.0, well, I mean, I, I haven't really worked there yet, but, but I'm starting to see some, some examples of, of things you can do in, in 2.0 that you can't yet do in 1.2, which make me think, let's go to 2.0, you know, enumeration things and, and min values and stuff like that are kind of cool stuff that you can use in, in Swift, right? And a lot of, a lot of the pro, uh, protocol-oriented stuff. Um, isn't a lot of it isn't in um, uh, Swift one point two, but a lot, but it is implemented in in two So
0: is that are you teaching one point two right now? I'm actually
2: teaching one point two, yeah. Because well, because the the students aren't registered developers, so I can't I couldn't until today talk about iOS nine, right? So
0: right, yeah. So mm-hmm. as of today, though, you can go on to seven. Yeah. And... So
2: tomorrow we'll just so tell them forget everything I told them for the last part yeah. of the week. And <laughs> pretty much, <laughs> it's really you know, we're funny. Gonna, we're timing. gonna learn your
1: see now. <laughs>
0: Jaime, what do you think of this lift going to Swift? Do you have anything to say about that?
1: Yeah, I think they were, I I would definitely agree with the fact that they chose almost the worst possible time to to jump in. Um, They did in September, which the worst possible time was right after WWDC. Let's be honest, Swift at WWDC last year was at best the first draft, right? When it, it came out then in June. Because of how much has changed, right? And there's been a lot of positive stuff, but it I mean this is not how professional things are done right you, there's i think more responsibility towards the development community that is incumbent upon the platform provider but be that as it may so they they actually were in a unique position i think where they were able to dedicate a whole engineer like a month i think to just go off and experiment with this prove out that it could work and then was able to evangelize that going forward and you know they did the article mentions here the original version of Lyft had ballooned to, quote, 75,000 lines of code. By the time they were redone, recreating in Swift, they had something that performed the same tasks in less than a third of that. So, kudos to them. You know, Less code is less opportunity for bugs, and certainly with a, a strongly typed language like Swift, you're, you're going to be much better, right, um, in terms of reliability and so forth, especially now that they presumably are more comfortable with when they have more engineers having got up to speed with that. But it was a Uh, A not insignificant cost, right? So the the article kind of hand waves with like, oh, like it didn't slow down the development process. You know, normally the company, I'm reading directly from the article. Normally the company pushes out a new version of the App Store on a weekly basis with a move from Objective DC to Swift. It's kept a weekly cycle, but only one. It's like, yeah, because Lyft is a big company, right? They have tons of it. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I guarantee you it's more than 25, Right? Like, that's that's bigger than most of the indie devs who would ever possibly listen to this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. It's fairly sizable. So they, they didn't really risk a whole lot because they didn't do it... Yes, they did it on their mainline app, but they sort of dipped their toes in and then got further and further in and finally were fully submerged, right? they They really can't go backwards now. It would be <laughs> more expensive to do so. But it's not the same using this as an example versus, like, well, what does this mean for indie devs who, if you're a one person shop or a two person shop, you really can't afford to have normally can't afford to have you know, one engineer 50% of your business or 100% of your business is kind of trying to get up to speed with this stuff. At the same time, you're under the gun, under pressure to get things done.
0: Totally right. I mean, an indie developer with their own product, um, you transition, like I, I think of like you, Tim, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, Two Life, for example, which I'm sure is like it's years old, it's Objective C. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't fathom that that would be on the horizon at all for a, a we, Swift just, we just
2: shipped a new version of it the other
0: day. We should write life baby. Right. And it's uh-huh. again, it's Objective C right? A hundred percent. Of course. Of course. Yeah. I mean, that that's there's, you're never going to be able to justify to your client. I imagine switching it to like, Hey, look, I want to rewrite your app. Your app's going to be the same.
2: Yeah. The answer is <laughs> going to be, you're working for free,
0: right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you're not going to see any improvements or anything, but it'll be written in Swift it'll and they're like, Swift, what's us. that? Hey, how how safer. about I fire you instead?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but hey there's there's one premier app that is definitively 100 swift So kudos to them that's the first uh, first milestone for swift it's it, i think it's only going to get more real as, as time goes on right as, as it
0: stabilizes the community is jumping whole hog into it um,
1: i think it's inevitable yeah well um, just
0: wait until they open source it i think that's the other big milestone Mm-hmm. um once that comes out. i was expecting that actually to happen last week um, i'm a little surprised it didn't um and nothing has been said about it lately so i'm but i'm sure it's still coming but um i wonder when like do you think it'll be by the will, will it happen in 2015 i guess is one question
1: i don't know i mean you've got the holidays coming up and everything so
0: <laughs> i think if we can say just like the um app store analytics it
1: will probably be sometime before wwdc in 2016
2: Wait, let's recap here. Now, Jaime's making a prediction again.
1: Oh, yeah, Yeah, I feel pretty strong about that. I I feel pretty safe that it will be, because then they won't be, you know, what they've said will be true, right? They said this year. They didn't say this calendar year. Oh, did they say this year? I think they said this year. I'm trying to remember back three
2: years ago. The reason I I want to recap about you making predictions, what was your last prediction and did it come true? I've forgotten. We had to watch when the was shipping was the
1: first one, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. I'm still I, I'm still in the game for the uh, Apple Car <laughs> at forty nine thousand nine hundred ninety
0: nine for the sixteen gigabyte
1: version. Oh, that's true. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yes. Uh, just a uh, um, real time feedback on Swift going open source uh, at mm-hmm. WWDC. Apple announced it as quote later this year. Unquote. So um, they do have until December 31st to uh, open source the language by their own reckonings. Hope it happens. So, so what do you think it means,
2: I mean, really, realistically, like for, for, the, for the novices in the crowd, what do you think Swift going open source really means to developers and end users? Whew.
0: Boy, where to start? Well, uh, for one, it'll be able to run on different platforms. And so I think one of the first things that comes to my mind when I think about an open source Swift um, is having the implementation of, of of it running on Linux, right? Um, and so being able to um, maybe do application development, web application development, um, <laughs> using Swift, like I think within oh, within yeah. a month of Swift going open source, we're going to have a Ruby and Ron Rails like framework for Swift, and mm. then a month later we'll have a dozen of them, right? You know, right? Right? Um, you know, like a standard. You know, typical model view controller framework with uh, built-in tools for authentication, uh, database handling, um, you know, and, and, and templating and all that good stuff, right? Right, right. Uh, just like Rails has, and I'm a, a longtime Rails developer, so, you mm-hmm. know, I know of what I speak in this sense, uh, but but written in Swift. And so, like, a, an, an iOS developer could use the same language to write their, their mobile app um, right. as the web app that they're using to serve it up with. That's super compelling. Mm-hmm, that is mm-hmm. super compelling. And then you know, <laughs> when it's open source, of course, uh, the the beauty of open source, of course, is how it can be applied anywhere and in ways that you haven't imagined yet. In Jaime's uh, car, for instance, A sixteen gig uh, car. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's really uh, that's that's the interesting part. It it's it's not the things that you're thinking of. It's the things you're not thinking of that right, make it interesting. Right, right. Uh, um, but the fact is, is that once. A precondition for, for writing or having access to Swift everywhere is that it be open source, right? Right. Because it can't just be trapped on the Mac, as mm. great as it is. Uh, it has to be available everywhere. The only way for that to happen, of course, is for it to be open source. And so, like, think of embedded programming. Like, you know, we, we do a lot of embedded programming on microcontrollers using C right. today. Uh, but there's no reason that may not have to be Swift, right? Right, right. So imagine next time you're programming an Arduino, maybe an implementation of Arduino is programmable in Swift. And that can only happen, of course, if it's open source.
2: Right. So so Apple will keep their own stuff for their own private use, but they'll they'll give access to the tool and let the community develop Swift beyond the devices, before beyond iOS and Mac OS ten, right?
0: No, when they uh, when they make it open source, it's gonna be the whole kit and caboodle. Um LLWB, uh, is or sorry, LLVM, right. which is the compiler architecture, that's already open source. And um, you know, it's run by a nonprofit foundation uh, by Chris Lattner's wife, I believe, is the titular head of it. Hmm. And um, that's already open source. And so when when Swift goes open source, you know, that's that's the whole kit and caboodle. Like, there's, there's nothing that's not publicly available. Um, so there's no cards that Apple's going to be left holding, you know, close to its chest. Um, they will no doubt be major contributors to the project. And certainly the direction of the language uh, will hew closely to their strategies. Internally, uh, you know, sort of like what we see with WebKit, right um, but um, but that's not to say that it can't be forked right away um, and and bent to different ends hmm. it's It's the beauty of open source, man anything can happen
2: so we'll, uh, we'll have Android phones and Google phones running
1: Swift
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs>
1: why not I mean that, that could very well be the case, right I like it, it helps legitimize Swift. Yeah, um, yeah, It helps make it a much more feasible option, a much less uh, of a risky option for folks going forward, right? It's like, I mean, let's look at this um, <laughs> objectively, <laughs> pun intended. <laughs> um, see what you did there.
2: Objective Swift, yes.
1: Mm-hmm. Objective C became popular not because Objective C is good, but because the iPhone was popular. I mean, that's just a true Mm,
0: fact, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, It wasn't even a blip on anybody's radar uh, right up until 2007 where everybody's like, oh my God, now it's the number one on Stack Overflow. Sure. You know, requested language, right? Everybody's like, I got to do Objective-C. Why? Because that's the price you pay to join the iPhone. Um, If the iPhone allowed, you know, let's say like Java or Python or some other crazy language, Objective-C would not be the power player it is today um and i think when you already have one of those on there um i don't think you can do it twice right if swift isn't going to earn its place at the table um just based on its you know its own merits of, of being a better language if you have this other language that everybody already took the time to learn and go out of their way to learn this weirdo language um and, and and as we've seen in, in the community, there's a lot of folks who just, you know, really don't want to switch up. And, and why should they? There's nothing to, to force them to. Mm-hmm. I think having Swift be open source um, allows it to be much more legitimate as an option. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think lets it win out on its own merits. Now it's no longer. I think that's you know, it, absolutely correct.
0: It. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's actually it's a huge deal. I think it's it's bigger than Lyft going all object or going all Swift. Um, and, uh, I think you'll see the language explode in popularity after that happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because it is, you know, objectively, it is a good language. Uh, you know, it's a, it has a lot to to go going for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and once, once it becomes available for everyone to use, well, watch out.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I
2: have to say, like you know, now that I've you know had my nose to the grindstone and really paying attention to Swift for the last two weeks, you know, getting ready for what I'm doing today, teaching the course, um, I really am starting to like it. You know, it was a little bit, of, a lot of, a lot of mystery involved in Swift, but once I've gotten my head around different concepts, you know, um, it's interesting. It's a, it's actually a very interesting uh, language. It does it does? You know, it's a lot of. A lot of things that you know you used to have to do in Objective-C you don't have to do in Swift anymore, which makes it much more fun to work with really you know even though it has some deeper deeper dive con- type concepts in it right
0: yeah, those are the parts that kind of freak me out a bit you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, yeah yeah how many times I'm typecasting things <laughs> um, optionals and optional optionals and yeah yeah uh, the protocol stuff uh, yeah I don't know I, I there's still a lot to get my head around. I have been working successfully with it. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's way better than it was. There's no question about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, And I'm sure it's going to get better. Um, But, yeah, time will tell. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Worth pointing Uh, out
1: that most of the worst parts of Swift um, are due to the fact that it has to maintain interoperability with Objective-C and the Cocoa Touch framework. Hmm. What do you see are the worst parts of Swift? Uh, The optionals thing, right, would would probably not exist if it wasn't for the fact that at the very minimum, let's say Objective C interoperability was just thrown out the window, which would be a huge thing, right? Because that's that's the thing that's letting people <laughs> ease into um, into Swift uh, without having to write their apps from scratch and so forth.
2: Really, I don't. I don't know. I think optionals is more about type safety than 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 compatibility with Objective C. Like it's it has to do with you know you have an array it has it may or may not have values, right? that's where the optionals come in handy is being able to to doubt yourself and then forcing you to test whether or not there's something there or forcibly implicitly unwrap things and that kind of stuff right that that's uh, that's how i see optionals
1: right but 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 let's look at that right so so let's it, it is a benefit to interoperability with objective c but but you're right the real reason it's there is because the cocoa touch frameworks don't necessarily oh. guarantee that something is returned yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, and that's a, may that's a You not get that label thing.
2: from the storyboard, exactly,
1: yeah. It, exactly, right? So there are languages, uh, functional languages, that will guarantee that something is there, something reasonable is there, and you don't need optionals in that case. It can't be nil. It, it has a value, a known value, at compile time.
0: It's true. Um, you know, I... I <laughs> yeah, like, there's just no way that Apple can not, um, you know, provide Objective-C compatibility. You know, like, it's not... It's not giving developers a lot of hard work. It would be giving Apple all of yeah, the work. Yeah. You know, Because if, if they didn't have Objective-C compatibility, then they'd have to rewrite the Cocoa frameworks. Mm. Here, okay, Jaime, you appear to be in a betting mood. Um, <laughs> 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 uh, is, is Apple rewriting Cocoa in Swift, do you think? Do you think that, that, what are the chances that Apple is rewriting its, say, UI kit? Imagine a combined App Kit slash UI kit and Foundation written in swift something that amalgamated everything
1: i think it's very likely that that's happening um i think it will be just like swift where it'll take two to four years from you know whenever it was started to the time that it gets announced at wwdc whatever year it is so yeah. we're in 2015 let's say 2020 or like 2020 with the watch or not the watch the car would be an awfully good time to do that wouldn't it yeah 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 yeah
2: yeah i definitely i definitely think that 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 uh objective c is the crutch in this case you know it's it's the it's the ramp you have to put in front of your coffee shop to make it compatible for everybody
0: yeah you know um i've been thinking about this a little bit obviously and <laughs> yeah. um i'm certain it's happening it oh yeah oh definitely, definitely i th- i think fun. it happened it started uh after after that w w d c where swift was introduced yeah um i think within weeks of that happening uh the u i kit team probably got together, we have to get to work on a successor to UIKit. And with any luck, you know, um my my vision of that would be something that that amalgamates uh the Mac SDKs and the iOS SDKs. But in in line with that, um it feels like you know the Mac has been, of course, you know, left behind to some extent. You know, it, it certainly hasn't progressed at the pace that iOS has, of course, being the moneymaker it is. Yeah. Um I think it's really in Apple's interest to uh to structurally address that issue. Um you know they've been doing great with uh lately especially by uh the the large you know foundation style uh APIs that uh, that have been in sync between the two platforms. Mm-hmm. Um but the front end stuff, the app kit stuff and the um uh the UI kit stuff uh remain fairly separate and yes, yes. I I would like to think that that's going to change at some point point. and if they are doing like one large uh, mega framework that uh, can sort of address both platforms yeah. uh, and also be written in Swift and adopt this protocol-oriented paradigm. Yeah. Uh, then uh, you are looking at a new world, and if Apple does that in say 2018 or 2020, then uh, then you are looking at something very different than what we're doing today. Right. So
2: I haven't written any 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 Cocoa apps uh, in about a year. I've got the new. Um, Big Nerd Ranch book. You're sitting on my desk, but um, the one that's in Swift now. But uh, d- has there been any uh, new stuff coming to AppKit in the last few years, other than like things like um, SeamKit and things like that? Like well, Zoom. yeah. Um, well, support for Metal, I guess, obviously is one of them, right? So
0: sure, but I mean, even even you know, stock AppKit gets better every year. You know, yeah. like uh, auto layout, for example. Oh, right, um, right. You know, like you know, in storyboards, mm. you know, things that have come to, um, to iOS have, have also come to the Mac and, right. um, developing a Mac app is better than it was just a few years ago. You know, right, like right. It, it does improve there, but, um, I never, I never feel as comfortable programming on the Mac. It's not as natural. The, um, the APIs fight you a little more, mm-hmm. um, you know, and there's, you know, there's little things here and there that are just missing, you know, that, that are there on iOS that are not there on the Mac and, Right. um you, f- you find yourself having to subclass um like n s table view and uh, n s mm-hmm. cell more often um, but on the plus side, there at least is an n s table view cell nowadays right. um, with view based layouts on tables and things like that you know like they're they they've come a long way, but right. it's still not you know anywhere close to the facility you have with UIKit.
2: is Apple really going to put a lot of effort behind the mac i mean are they selling that many macs these days or I mean, are, 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 is it the platform of choice now? Like, is 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 it killing the Windows PC and and the Windows desktop, or or is just the the phone is eclipsing everything?
0: Well, yeah, no, I think the Mac is still a very important concern to Apple. Like, it's right. a, it's a huge part of their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's obviously not not in the numbers that that iOS delivers in a way it right. can't be, but uh, it's it's strategically vital to the company. You know, anybody that has a computer, and you know. There's still plenty of people buying computers. Uh, they're buying Macs. You know, it's the only segment of the PC market that's growing. Everywhere else is shrinking. Any, any Windows manufacturer is selling less this year than they did last year. Mm. Uh, and that's been happening for years and years. Uh, so Apple is, of course, paying very good attention to this market. But, uh, of course, because of the, um, the lack of um, uh, competition, really, you know, like there's no good competition anymore. Windows is, is not that interesting. Mm -hmm. to to customers right people that make their own buying decisions about computers by Macs, and businesses by windows for their for their cust for their employees right Mm -hmm. Uh, that's that's how it's always been but ever since consumers have started you know in large numbers buying their own computers uh they've chosen apple which you know explains why you see them in public so much more (laughs)
2: Okay, let's go around the table like we usually do and see if anybody has any picks. And we'll confuse Aaron by saying we'll stop at Aaron's desk.
0: No, answer. you just okay. like you gotta start with Aaron. I uh No, is okay. it start
2: or stop? Confuse Greg like no end well, last yeah, week. Yeah, right? I know. I I got a good laugh at that. Um But I usually do I usually do say and we'll stop at Aaron.
0: Yeah, because we're going around the table. We're moving now around yeah, the table. The, bottle,
2: the, bottle the virtual is, table. The, the and we're gonna stop. The needle is spinning and it's gonna stop at Aaron. No.
0: So like I I have no trouble with that, but okay. uh, you know. So do you have a tech? Um, I do. Uh, so I'm gonna talk about uh, today was iOS 9 day, the the day that iOS 9 be- was released to the public. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, actually, if you were notabene, bene, if you were running the GM of iOS 9, yeah, uh, that that was uh, given out last week. Yes just after the event, uh, yes. you are running an old version of it. So go yes. ahead to the uh, updater in uh, your settings and update to the current actual. This is actually pretty rare. When Apple does a GM, that's usually mm. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- th- it's gold master, man. What, why? Okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, it was out of date. So I updated to the, to the actual public release today. And right. at the same time, of course, the App Store opened with all the updates. And turns out that uh, we talked earlier about a whole bunch of um, ad blockers that are uh, wow. coming out now. Now that the content filtering technology for iOS nine is part of the operating system, um, everybody and their cousin it seems has <laughs> put together a content blocker in order to um, to to speed the loading of web pages. Right. Uh, and they all do different things and work in different ways. Uh, so surprisingly, ask a before you
2: jump into that, yeah,
0: okay, go for it. Do you need one content blocker or do you need
2: multiple content blockers i guess well
0: I mean. need is is the question you can have multiple content blockers um i I had supposed in an earlier show that uh they you know if you have so many installed, they each get a crack at the Dom uh that turns out to be true right uh so you can have multiple content blockers installed that do different things you know um <clears throat> and content blocker actually is something of a misnomer it's really more of a filter right, right. um like we said before it's a um it's a crack of the dom you get the, the the dom and you can filter it to do whatever you like uh you can even add content so it could be a content adder for all for all that the that you know um <laughs> so i'm gonna throw ads into this web page you know yeah, download yeah. my plugin i'm gonna give you ads <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and monetize myself thank you very much mm-hmm. um so with with all the the plethora if you will of of these content blockers because that's effectively what they do um that it's. I thought it was going to be very difficult to make a good choice, uh, but fortunately, mm. <laughs> uh, Marco Arment uh, surprisingly came out with one today called Peace, mm-hmm. and Peace is in not war, man. Um, and this this one is actually unique in that he is working with the fellows at Ghostery. Oh, good. Which which we have spoken about on past shows. And Tim, you're a longtime user, right? Yep, yep. Um, So Ghostery, uh, which which provides a desktop um, plugin that we've been using for some time now, and uh, I I used it as a pick on a previous show, so it's uh, appropriate that it come out here for iOS. So uh, Marco Arment is the official supplier of Ghostery for iOS.
2: That's good for Marco.
0: It's very good for Marco. and uh, Marco's good news is our good news. So for 299 US or 350 Canadian, uh, you two can have this content blocker. It's called Peace and it works very simply. It actually has fewer widgets and is um, in my opinion, uh, much more elegant than the desktop version mm-hmm. uh, because it simply does its job. It blocks all the things. Um, so you turn it on. Um, it, it works like an extension, so there's an app that appears on your springboard. You go in and um, turn it on, basically by giving permission through your settings app. Uh, you can test it within the app to make sure it's working, and then it just does its thing in the background. Anything that um, is in its corpus of um, uh, advertisers or trackers or social widgets, um, you know, and it's the settings are are broken down by class of of content. Uh so like you can choose to keep comments open for example. Mm-hmm. Um then you can choose to block on those bases. So you can block social widgets, you can block external fonts if you like, like things like Typekit hmm. and comments. Um as for block ads and trackers, that's a separate setting and you know that that should be on because that's why you have this thing. Now, the results that I've seen um other people mention because I've only just gotten this today, so it's um it's too early for me to judge. Um, but it shows a dramatic improvement in page loading time because obviously like depending on the site, right? Like how much, how much stuff that they're cramming into your webpage when you're visiting their site in the first place. Like, so sites like the verge, for example, which heavily rely on, you know, dozens of trackers and advertisers and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, you show huge improvements in loading time. Um, of course, you know the other side of it, and this is something that you'll notice if you use the desktop version of it as well. Is that you'll find you know blank spaces in your web pages which yeah. seem somewhat incongruous. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm delighted to see those those I white open those spaces. Too, yeah. yep. I like to go swimming in them with my I wish eyes. They were filled with green fields of wheat, you know. Pretty much, yeah, waving in the breeze, the sun overhead, everything's clear and clean, um, and that's ghostery and that's peace. Um, and uh, Marco's charging a nominal amount for it, uh, two ninety nine. Sure. Yep. Um you know, but I I have a feeling given, you know, who he is, but uh he is who he is because of the quality of his software. The the man just writes good stuff. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. uh so so buy his stuff, support him and I'm buying uh, it right now. Yeah, and enjoy this because this um this is the future. It's the um it's the noise free web that you're that you're going to get just by spending this very small amount of money. Um uh and I think people will look back on this as a turning point in um in web development, you know? Right. Like in, in publishing for the web. Yep. Because they, they are going to have to get their act together in order to respond to this. And it's not going to be an arms race uh, because it's too easy to beat. Uh, it's got to be through their policies. they got to change them. More, more daring Fireball, less The Verge. Put it that way. Cool. That is my pick.
2: Well, I've just made the purchase and I'm on the road to having a ad-free... Web experience on my yeah. device. Does it have the overlay uh, plug-in, like the overlay window that, that you get, or the little pop-up that, that you get on, on the desktop?
0: No. No, it doesn't. I love that, that it's not there, because yeah. I hate that. I, really? I yeah, you know, that drives me crazy. I wish there were a way to turn it off. Oh, huh. You can turn that off. Oh, good. On the because, desktop? Yeah, yeah, yeah? definitely. Because, yeah, I've installed it
2: on a few machines lately, and, and I, I noticed that one of the choices is, you want to turn this on, and, and you have to... You, I mean, I installed it 100 years ago, but on, on new machines that I've been putting it on, I've noticed it says, do you want this annoying purple thing that Aaron hates to launch? Right. <laughs> <laughs> it said that right in the, right the diagram. Yeah,
0: well, is that funny? Yeah. That's, that's, that's a, the beauty of web publishing. It's all instantaneous, it, right? It really is. Uh, I'm going through here now to see if I can... Oh, there it is. <laughs> Um, Advanced. Show alert bubble. That's it. And it's unchecked. Reveal track. Show badge. Over groceries, but...
2: So, let's go over to Jaime and see if Jaime has any picks.
1: Okay. I do. And uh, it's an app that we've uh, all known before, but they've had a brand new update that's really good. It's um, Paper by 53 for the mm. iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um. So, in this release, they've uh, they've really revamped a whole bunch of things. So, Presumably, that, that company is at a crossroads because, um, as we mentioned before, they made their app, which is, was primarily just a drawing app before, right? A sketching app. A very, very good one. Uh, and one of the better examples of, an, of a really good, useful iPad app. Um, they started it with a business model of having uh, in-app purchases to get more tools. And then eventually they scrapped that and said, the app is completely free and we make our money on the pencil. Not to be confused with the Apple Pencil. Oh, is that? Oh, really? Okay. Hmm. So maybe they uh, kind of figured out that this was coming and and what this would mean to them, because they've sort of done a a rather interesting pivot here where now Paper by 53 takes nice, wonderful gestures that you have for drawing and applies that into what's essentially like an Evernote plus Skitch, which Evernote acquired a few years ago kind of app, where it's about... Getting all of your ideas and, and notes together, right? So you can you can, for example, do typing of notes. Like you want to say, okay, I need you know, eggs, I need mm. bacon, I need you know maple syrup, and have that on a list. And and instead of having to go in and like okay, and drag and select all and hit the little bulleted list for text formatter, they have a real nice gesture. where you just swipe right on a line of text, and it will turn it into a bullet. And you can just you know swipe, 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 turn your list into a bulleted list, and then uh, you can also just tap on it. The bullet is now done when you've completed that particular item. You've so done that sort of thing. Plus integration with the cameras, so you can take pictures and draw over the top of pictures and do little um, like highlighting kind of things where you have everything is darkened except for this one piece that's not masked that is highlighted. Mm-hmm um and of course they have the the really great drawing mechanisms that they have that, that work really well on the iPhone for um especially the little magic tool that they have where yeah. you can draw geometric shapes and it will correct yeah, oh, yeah. them yeah. for you and you can you know use the scissors to move things around
2: by the way by the way um 53 if you're listening I would really really like access to your SDK please 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 i've asked you 3 times okay <laughs>
1: <good>. <laughs> right So it's pretty interesting. They've um, they've turned it into again much more of like a like a notepad sort of thing rather than being like a sketch pad. And I think that's a you know a single word difference, but it's a I think it's a pretty big one for them Mm. because they have what appears to be a synchronizing mechanism. So you you now have to sign in with uh, you know sign up via email or connect via Facebook or or Google. I want to say. And I think that's so you can have accounts shared between your iPhone and your iPad, and presumably opens them up in the future to do you know alternative methods. They're sure. not iCloud based,
0: which is probably an alternative they could have gone with. But it's fun. Yeah, that's I, I'd really say fascinating. It like it's funny. Like you've got your picture and like you think you know an app, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you kind of write it off. You're like a paper. Okay, like I'm not into sketching, drawing. So yeah, that's yeah. not for me. Yeah. But then um, you know, as you've been talking, I'm like really like it it's actually kind of a productivity tool now mm. um and it really opens it up fascinating i'm gonna check it out yeah i
1: i tend Boy. to carry um uh, like what field what is notes this come on in my back pocket <laughs> right like because it's really great to be able to scribble out some quick notes or if yeah. I go to like yeah. a meetup group i want to sketch something or take some quick notes sometimes i use it as sort of like a, a mini whiteboard where Hey, you're not getting what I'm saying. Let me, let me draw a picture for you. That'll help you understand. I might switch to this for a while just to see how it works because I, I've always got my phone with me Yeah, I may or may not remember to put my field notes in my back pocket.
0: I've really resisted the idea of carrying around analog media anymore. I feel like since I spent so much money on this phone <laughs> and this iPad, I really ought to find a way to use them in ways that, um, you know, admittedly, like. I I used to before the iPhone came out, I used to have this like really great journal that I would use um, Mm -hmm. on a daily basis, you know, like a paper, a paper book. Um, And I actually just found them recently. So I was kind of looking at them and and really admiring the system I had uh, for capturing random information, like not just the appointments, but the to do's and and even the random ideas that I had. And because I always had this book with me, uh, it was totally friction free and totally free form. To inject those ideas into this paper medium, right? Mm-hmm. But I abandoned all of that when the iPhone came out uh, in back in '07. Uh, but uh, there's been no system to properly capture that, to replace that that book. And that's kind of one of the background ideas I've I've constantly been thinking about yeah. is is how can I replicate this this really great pen and paper journal uh, on an iPad or an iPhone.
2: Well and, and this is the same thing I've been looking at I've got a number of apps that i've tried and i've I've even gone to the moleskin um evernote version of the book, which has the dotted line so that if I take yeah. a picture, it automatically digitizes it and straightens it up and if I paid for the i I, I get coupons for free accounts, but i' never never set the premium of one up but if you go to the premium, it'll actually also do optical character recognition on your type on your handwriting so um but yeah, it's for for note taking. Yeah, I'm I'm constantly in the Notes app taking notes. I mean, when I'm at a at a, at a talk or whatever, I use the Notes app. I use the Notes app on my Mac. Um, what annoys me about a, about the Notes app is things disappear during syncing processes. But and I like Evernote <laughs> for that point of view because it's got the syncing the syncability. But now I'm really curious to see what 53 has done with paper after what Jaime just said. You know, just downloaded on both devices here to give it a whirl, see what it, what it's what's up with that. What is up with that? What is up with that? What is up and with that? And i got that? my 53 pencil in my hand as we speak. You doubt. Note, let's do. Yes. Um, How much is that thing? Uh, they're on sale. I got this one. I got the graphite one at the app store for, I'm going to say, roughly 50 bucks. I think they were on sale even cheaper than that. So, I mean, they're half the price of an Apple pencil. Well, but it doesn't do as much
0: as an Apple pencil. And doesn't never mind it, that. It? You need an iPad Pro. Doesn't it? Well, I don't know. Doesn't, doesn't it? Doesn't it? <laughs> Are you just going to keep repeating that? <laughs> <laughs> right. What does it? right. We'll never it know
2: until on? the... What, so when is the iPad Pro coming? November? November, yeah. Yeah,
0: well, until mm-hmm. then, I've got my Apple Pencil. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, it's a lot I, cheaper than an iPad my... Pro and uh, a pencil, right? That's true. It's way That's cheaper. True. <laughs> you need an iPad Pro to do it. Like, obviously, I, I have to think that at some point, the iPad Pro... Or, sorry, the, the pencil uh, will become usable with yeah. future iPads and even iPhones. Yeah. yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? <laughs> why the hell not? But I can see why it's not, because, I, you know, the, the iPad Pro has hardware that the other uh, iPads do not, you know, like that uh, uh, display and the, the hardware to support um, that, that latency or lack thereof.
2: Cool. Well, my pick is actually uh, something we talked about when we talked about the 360iDev show, in that I mentioned a group of developers that had... Um, that were doing an app that they they had been working on before the 360 i and they used the game jam to sort of do the finishing touches and they they gave us a dog and pony on it um, <laughs> as part as part of their their rollout. So like their their thing was they sat down and finished off some of the some of the UI stuff that they wanted to do in the app and so they played it. It's called Hand Pre and what it is is you use your fingers. You know how you can run across a desk with your fingers like you can sort of you know pretend you're walking with your fingers. So this is a game where you race around a track using your fingers as your feet, right? Okay. And I, I've been beta testing it for them for just the last couple of couple of days because that's why I installed I was sorry, I got to turn my volume down here. But um, it's got really nice music too. But um, uh, you basically, you go into the single player mode or multiplayer mode, which I haven't tried yet, and you, you literally scrub with your fingers to run around a track and you hit trees and get the sort of cartoon birds spinning around, you know. As you you know get doinged in the head kind of thing, right? Um, and it's it's a fun game, and and I know that uh, it was built for iOS nine, so I'm assuming that they're going to ship it out today. If uh, if it's I think if it's they finish finish beta testing it, but so it's called Hand Pre. And I'll put in a link in the show notes if it's available. If it's not, I'll put it in when it is available. But yeah, check it out from the ham- on the App Store, and it's kind of fun. It's by Ryan Polos. Uh, he's one of the guys who does the game reviews on the Ray Lake site. So he he's seen tons of game ideas. I wonder where he got the idea for this game. Hmm. Anyway, so yeah, check it out. Hand pre. Enough said.
0: Enough cool. said. Yeah. Cool. So let's are, button her up. I, I, so are we doing picks now
1: for things that aren't even out yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start no, picking I, Kickstarters uh, like, I'm pick no, no, Kickstarter, no, and stuff. Like, pick the Kickstarter? Somebody just no, put on he, 20 minutes he, ago. He
2: told me he told me it was going to be on. I was actually it was going to be on this. I'm going to message him. This is not going to show, but I'm going to message him right now. I didn't have time to do it. Just as we. Because I didn't know, I, until we started the show, I didn't know iOS I 9 had shipped, right? So, but he said as soon as iOS 9 ships, it'll, it'll be going out to, the, to, uh, to people. So I'll, I'll ping him just now and say, you know, if I can't talk about it, then I won't have to pick this week, obviously. All right. Sounds fair. Fair enough? Uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I guess that's the case. <laughs>
1: <laughs> vaporware. It's not vaporware. I've got it on my iPad right here. You know, <laughs> my pick of the week is this uh, app idea I just wrote down in paper by
0: 53.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
1: got you there. <laughs> yeah,
2: sure it is. Okay. Anyway, so there we go. Uh, so I guess we'll try again next week. And so we'll say goodbye. And Aaron, if people want to find you on the interwebs, where would they look? The usual
0: spot on Twitter at Aaron Vay, or check out my app Magpie at com.
2: All right. And uh, Jaime, where can people find you? on Twitter as at Dev with the Hair. I'm Tim and I'm in Toronto, Ontario and I can be found on Twitter at T-I-M-M-I-T-R-A and uh, that's about it and uh, talk to you next week goodbye Bye. Goodbye. and see thank you if you want to find out more about the show you can visit the more than just code website at mtjc.fm there you can find a summary and show notes of each episode we list links to the items we talked about on the show, as well as links to the apps on the App Store. If you like the podcast, please leave a comment on the website, or if you can, please write a review on iTunes. It really helps others find out about the show. You can also follow us on Twitter. Once again, the podcast Twitter account is at mtjc if you'd like to support us, you can pledge any amount on patreon.com slash MTJC. You can provide as little as a dollar a month. Any amount helps. However, you're free to do as you please. Thanks again for listening. Well, since we're talking about old old games, one of one of the games that I've been looking for for a long time, a friend of mine just fell in love with Battle Chess. Did you ever hear Battle Chess?
0: Oh yeah. There was a game one. for the C sixty four called Archon. Well, I-
2: <laughs> yeah, oh, I remember I had Archon too, but no, there was Battle Chess on the Mac, and what it was what, uh, was you would you would line up your players, and you know your rook would take or your knight would take, you know somebody's rook or whatever, and the two of them would animate, and they would you know the the knight would go over to like decapitate the rook, uh-huh. and there would blood spill all over the place, and then you know then oh. then you'd continue with your game, right? Interesting. But, so every little every little conflict actually played out on the chessboard, <laughs> but it was only black and white, and back in the day, so.
0: I'm going to go see Star Wars, too. That's how weak I am. <laughs> Who's not going to go see Star Wars? That's the bigger question. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, <sighs> I mean, like, yeah, I mean, and, you know, to be honest with you, I, there's, there's, a, there's a spot in my, in my soul for uh, The Phantom Menace as well. I mean, you know, what? I had to wait 17 years
0: for The Phantom Menace to yeah, come out. Yeah, right? yeah. I was there with you, but no, no, yeah. no. Really? Oh, that movie really? is so bad. That movie is so, period, bad. Period. Really,
2: I love the Bic army, man. I, I tell you, I love the what? those, those the, BIC, the Bic. So I call those those little plastic uh, robots? Uh, robots. The, the droid, battle army. Droids. battle droids. Yeah, those are brutal. Like, well, imagine if if Bic, you know, the people who, who made disposable pens and disposable lighters uh-huh. were to make an army, it would be the it would be the battle droids. Mm.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that movie just so it's so terrible for so many reasons. Well, like know. the the writing is awful. The writing is terrible. Well, let's the acting, Lucas. Give is your head a awful. shake. You
2: know, like like the second movie. was the second, mo- what's the the second story movie? Though, where they've makes got the waterfall no scene. The, he should have cut the waterfall scene out of the mo- second
0: movie and hired a writer. mm Hmm. Should have, know, have hired he a writer on that. You just should have hired a writer. Holy crap! Yeah. So bad. Yeah. Just so yeah. bad. Uh Well, we can't turn the show into that. We just can't. What the the uh, <laughs> the A A S A S P the. Uh... Accidental Tech Podcast, ATP. Accidental Star Wars Podcast. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) No, I don't let accidents like that happen. Don't let accidents happen to friends like that.